Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Monday, February the 6th. And our top story today is that ambulance workers in Kent have gone out on strike. It's the third time they've walked out in recent weeks in an ongoing dispute over pay. Members of the GMB union have formed picket lines across the county, including in Medway, Ashford, Sheppey and Thanet. Well, first, Lucy has been chatting to Lib Whitfield, who's from the union. I think the government have stuck their fingers in their ears and are trying their best to not listen. The public are clearly on the side of the NHS. It's very, very clear the, the NHS is no longer on its knees, is absolutely desperate for help. And the staff across the NHS are calling out for help. And this government won't even listen to those people who are right on the front line trying to save people's lives when they are saying people are coming to harm because there are not enough staff, there are not enough hours and they need better pay. Tell me a bit about some of the working conditions paramedics might be having to deal with in Kent. So obviously when you're on the road, it's paramedics and a lot of other staff tech technicians and things like that so when they're on the road they can be seeing a patient who's been on the floor for sometimes up to a day sometimes longer for hours on end patients are on the floor equally if you've got staff who are in the dispatch centers um, in the call centers where your 999 calls go in they see that there are calls stacking up that they're not able to answer if you've got a dispatcher who's looking at their screen with the ambulance, they can see that they have not got a vehicle to send to a category one call because there are not enough staff and they are desperate and patients are coming to harm. The, the chief executive of ambulance association themselves have said patients are coming to harm. Everybody across the board is telling the government the public are not safe in the current standard of NHS because of the government cuts and the government aren't listening. Now, the strike runs until two tomorrow morning. The government say they can't offer higher wages. Let's hear next from Health Secretary Steve Barclay. Well, we've accepted in full the pay review body recommendations for this year. And of course, that came on top of the 3% that was awarded the previous year to the NHS when other public sector workers had a pay freeze. And the pay review body looked at the evidence around inflation, the wider context, what was affordable, the issues with recruitment and retention as part of setting the pay last year. But it's right to recognise that there's been ongoing pressures on the NHS. Uh, Inflation has been higher since last year's pay review body process than was originally forecast, for example, in the spending review uh, 2021. Uh, And that's why we've got the evidence in terms of this April that we're working with the trade unions on that will reflect the inflation, reflect those circumstances, but it should be done through the independent pay review process that can look at both what the NHS needs, but also the wider needs of the economy and the other pressures that many of your viewers are facing. And we're being urged to use health services wisely while strike action takes place. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today, and a man who stabbed a Dartford girl multiple times after she broke up with him has been jailed for more than 21 years. Simeon Shabba attacked the 17-year-old in Temple Hill in August 2021 and also assaulted her mum as she tried to stop him. The 21-year-old from Sandling Rise in New Eltham has been convicted of attempted murder and will serve another five years on licence. The sentencing of a police officer who carried out a series of sex attacks while working for the 
Met is underway. David Carrick served in the same unit as Wayne Cousins from Deal, who kidnapped and murdered Sarah Everard. The 48-year-old admitted almost 50 offences over an 18-year period. A review into other officers' conduct is also taking place. Four people have been arrested following a sex attack in Rochester. It reportedly happened at a property in the town last Wednesday. We're told the suspects have now been released on bail. And a teenager's been arrested after apparently trying to hit a man with a metal pole in Gillingham. The boy was detained by officers who were on patrol in the town yesterday. Now, a Kent man whose dad died as a result of a contaminated blood scandal says he hopes vital lessons will be learned. Peter Ratton got hepatitis C after being given infected blood products that had been imported from the US. He passed away 12 years ago. His son Tim lives in Ashford and has been speaking to Lucy after a long-running public inquiry came to an end. When my dad was infected, obviously I would only been like six. But obviously he didn't know, I didn't know. And then there's other friends of ours, obviously their families, you know, they didn't see their dads to grow up. But I did, but it didn't really help because obviously from like 12, 13, you know, he was too ill. He didn't really know, you didn't know that he could comprehend what was going on until later on it was like, it's pointless talking to him because... You can't get a conversation and realise that he actually comprehends that. Yeah, it's so hard because, like you say, there are so many people who've been affected by this. I mean, it's it's really had such a knock-on impact on so many families. And do you think there's enough understanding of that and the impact it's had on, on people like you? Um, I don't think there is, really. Um, one of my goals is, is once this is all done, whether the government agrees really doesn't really matter. But, you know, if we need to set up... Um, obviously, we've got support groups, but if we need to set up other charity groups to go around to schools to educate them what happened in the past, steps forward now, because things going forward, the government and the hospitals don't seem to be acting in the way they should be. You know, they get a recommendation, they say, okay, it's a recommendation, but it's not lawful, we have to act on that. But obviously, if we can educate people, then at least they'll be aware and obviously we can help people that are going through the same process now not to get stuck in the same issues that we've had without the support. How important is it for you and for the other families of all the victims that someone is held accountable for this, you know, that there is someone you can blame for this? I'm totally on that. Um, we've heard so many statements and I think that all the clinicians saying that, you know, someone said this, someone said that, you know, we've seen documents today with books etc there is so much evidence there but it's just now trying to get obviously Sir Brian to recommend that we can go down the route of cultability and get people in that route but it's going to take some time and obviously a lot of effort from a lot of the solicitors but of course a lot of people that are like responsible for this they're not here they've they've died they've sort of in a sense got away with you know their period of their job and they've gone. Now, the inquiry was ordered six years ago by then. Prime Minister Theresa May, the conclusions will be published later in the year. Kent Online reports. A 39-year-old man's been arrested on suspicion of stealing £2,000 worth of clothing from Ashford Designer Outlet. Police were called to reports of someone trying to leave a store yesterday without paying. A Dover man has been banned from driving after admitting several offences, including being over the drug drive limit and making off without paying for fuel. Joshua 
Sperling has been told by a judge this is the last chance to sort himself out. The 29-year-old from Mill Race in River won't be able to get behind the wheel for a year. A man's been arrested after a stolen moped crashed into a parked car while trying to get away from police in Gillingham. He failed to stop for officers who were taking part in a special operation targeting those who commit offences on the motorbikes. Next today and final preparations are being made ahead of the opening of what's set to be Kent's biggest charity shop. Volunteers have already sorted through three tonnes of donations to the Salvation Army's new building in Folkestone. The 2,000 square foot site at the Park Farm Retail Park will also be their first donation centre in the county. Ian Needle is from the charity and has been telling me that it's definitely needed during the cost of living crisis. There's definitely an increase in people that are coming to our centre and um, we can see more and more people relying on places like us. I think with the size of us, we have a far bigger choice. And because we have so many donations, we can bring that price down uh, just a little bit more than perhaps some of the smaller the smaller shops. It's funny, isn't it, how um, even though we are in this crisis at the moment and, and everyone's struggling, how generous people can be as well. Because we had a campaign at Christmas to give away toys to children across the county and the amount we received just blew us away. People are, are really, really good at that sort of thing, aren't they, particularly during tough times? Absolutely. I mean, 10 days ago, we pretty much launched our um, Salvation Army Donation Centre for web page on Facebook and I will say that we have absolutely as a team been blown away with the, le- the level of donations we open at the morning nine o'clock at the moment just for donations only we finish at five um, and we go through we've been through at least three tons of donations now since we opened um, so it's incredible and, and people are donating you know whatever they can from sort of used items right the way through to people who are donating brand new purchases we've had people come into the door um, they've just come from the shops they hand over brand new products to us um, that someone can make use of. So we are, we are, it's very emotional, actually. Some of the things that we are seeing and the generosity of the people of Folkestone Highs and further afield as well. People are coming from the from Canterbury and Ashford and Maidstone as well to donate. That's fantastic. I can't actually even imagine what three tonnes of donations looks like. Can you give us an idea <laughs> of the, the scale of the building that you're in and also how many people you've got working there? Yeah, we're in a, uh, a, a rather large uh, retail unit. It used to be a double unit. It's been, uh, it used to be a double unit for tool station. It's been brought into half a unit now we've got half they've got half but as far as a as far as a donation center charity outlet it's it's like a, a retail park unit um we started off with myself as the store manager an assistant manager was hired a driver was hired and a sales assistant was hired to help us uh, process the the till and the items and uh, now we have put an advert out i think seven days ago i put an advert out for volunteers and i've just uh, got my 17th volunteer today and everybody is full on and people are coming in every day um, from all walks of life, all ages, all backgrounds. Tell us about any money that you do make from the sale of items there. What does it go towards? Uh, all of the money goes uh, is put back into the Salvation Army. So all of this goes back into helping uh, members of the local community across uh, Folkestone, across Kent and across the UK uh, as the army on a whole. We have 235 uh, shops mixed in with 33 donation centres there across the country. All this money goes back into the Salvation Army, helping people with uh, the cost of living crisis, with poverty, with homelessness, um, right the way through to um, human trafficking and other, you know, and other things that the Salvation Army takes care of. Um, so all of this money 
for me the most important thing is that it goes back as well into our community um, because more and more you see people locally that need help. All the very best to the Salvation Army team there. It'll be open to shoppers on Thursday. Kent Online reports. Now this is undoubtedly one of our most read stories on the website today. A woman has been fined £100 for feeding ducks on the River Medway in Tunbridge. Retired nurse Susan Watson was given a ticket after scattering a slice of bread into the water between Strawberry Vale and the High Street. Now the council has recently brought in a private company to crack down on but admit they got this wrong and the fine has since been refunded. Well, plenty of you are commenting on this one today and not just about the fine being issued. I've been having a look at what some of you have been saying. Invictor362 wrote, Embarrassing. The council employs such poorly trained people and let them loose on the population. Meantime, old hippie guy has added, To be fair, you're not supposed to feed bread to birds, especially water birds. It's heavy and expands, contains little new nutrients and uneaten bread can pollute the water. Just one slice won't hurt and the fine was excessive, but if everyone started throwing bread in the water, it would become a problem. Another commenter has added bonkers overreaction by the Jobsworth. Glad the lady's money was refunded, but he's echoed those previous comments. He says, ducks don't do bread though. Seriously, it isn't good for them. Please don't feed ducks leftover bread. You aren't doing them any favours. Kentish226 says, I can understand it if she was feeding pigeons, but this is extreme. Poor woman. You can't even feed ducks in a pond. Ridiculous. And Tessa has added, OMG, I won't feed the ducks at the fryers anymore then. I had no idea it wasn't good for them. Although I haven't done it for years, many people do. I've seen them. It's also so sad, I think. I remember mum saying, shall we go and feed the ducks? So quite a bit of information there to take in. You can also let us know what you think by heading to Kent Online today. You can also comment if you want to via our socials. Just follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Now, there have been complaints about off-road bikers causing mayhem on a golf course in Gravesend. The Southern Valley site on Thong Lane is closed as the land is being sold off for the new Lower Thames Crossing. People living nearby say noisy motorbikes are tearing up the grass. Police say they've increased patrols in the area and are taking it very seriously. You can see pictures, actually, of the site if you head to the website today. Now, the Kent Online podcast has been told how the work of a charity that started out in Kent is now going to be felt across the world. The Street Soccer Foundation uses football to work with young people who might be vulnerable or disadvantaged. Their Football for Good project has been endorsed by Commonwealth bosses. Keith Mabbott is the charity's chief exec and has been chatting to Ish. What we're aiming to do is um, on Commonwealth Day, on the 13th of March, um, we are going to have, uh, as a minimum, 10 academy partnerships up and down England um, to support a minimum of 100 young people, um, so all under 30, um, so typically 18 to 30 bracket, um, male and female, and we'll be taking them through our youth development programme, the academy programme of ours. Um, that lasts until towards the end of May, for which then we're bringing all of those young people together to the home of England football, St George's Park, where we're going to have a massive national um, year of youth champions trophy event, um, which will be filmed and broadcast um, across the global network, across the Commonwealth. So that's an extremely exciting opportunity for all those young people. And then we'll go again in the latter part of this year with another academy run, for which then lends itself towards um, a November event, which we're going to be looking to term as the Football for Good Day. 
And that's our ambition where we're aiming to unite the Commonwealth through football. So all 56 countries will be invited to subscribe to our Football for Good Day. And ultimately, at the same time, on the same day in November, to be announced, we're going to hopefully see football-led activations from across the Commonwealth all at the same time within a 24-hour period. So it's really exciting. And our, and our, and our showcase event is hopefully going to be at um, uh, a very uh, well-known stadium um, in London. There you go. Probably can guess. But, um, but that's what we're hoping to achieve on in November this year. Fantastic. Obviously, the, the core of your work is supporting young people. We know, obviously, your work with supporting young people who, who come from very difficult backgrounds, homelessness. What is your hopes in terms of the impact that you're hoping to achieve through this massive platform? It's a number of uh, aims that we have, um, but certainly in terms of impact, um, those young people that we support across England, um, of course, naturally from our home county in Kent as well, um, but all of those people that engage with us this year in particular, we want to see a real journey of transformation for them. So you're right in what you say that a lot of the young people that we're looking to attract onto our programme and through our partners across the country are going to be those that are, are currently suffering from homelessness. Um, so we want to really inject a bit of um, you know, positivity in their lives, um, take them on a journey, as I say, of education, youth development, youth empowerment, um, and bring them to a point where we can, you know, hopefully enrich their lives and, and integrate them into society, whether it's through work, education or further training. Um, and in that regard as well, in terms of a legacy intention, through that showcasing of that impact and that youth development and empowerment work, we want to educate partners and other organisations across the Commonwealth in how we do what we do. So not just why we do it, because there's a lot of organisations that do exist to achieve exactly the same kind of outcome to help young people better themselves and their prospects and futures. Um, but we want to showcase how we actually do that and educate those partnering organisations across the Commonwealth to hopefully enrich what they're doing already. And, and maybe if there's any kind of knowledge transfer exchange that we can impart upon, um, all completely for free, of course, as, as a kind of unity um, and, and unison through football. Um, and then I guess going into 2024, a legacy intention would be certainly to see academy programmes of ilk, what we do here in England, being delivered out in different countries across the Commonwealth, as well as small-sided football leagues. As one of our endeavours, we'd love to see football leagues pop up across the Commonwealth, where it obviously unites communities globally. Kent Online News. We're being urged to check on vulnerable family and neighbours as a cold weather alert comes into force in Kent. Temperatures are due to drop below freezing over the next couple of nights, leading to widespread frost. And it's more bad news for those struggling with rising energy bills. A conservation expert in Kent says Brexit red tape is putting endangered species at risk. Sophie Fagan, who works at Howlett's near Canterbury, says changes in the system have led to an 86% drop in animal transfers between the UK and EU. It's making breeding programmes much more difficult. A Hyam salon owner has announced she's finally hanging up her scissors after more than 50 years. Again, this is one of the most read stories on the site today. Irene Carter was just 15 when she started an apprenticeship. She initially worked in London before moving to the village and starting up on her own. She's now sold hair care and has been speaking to our reporter Alex Langridge along with colleague Karen Taylor. I just think I've been very, very lucky to have had such wonderful clients for that amount of time. And it's just been like a family, really. So we have enjoyed it. And I just feel it's time now to retire and put my feet up. 
And what's the first thing you're going to do? Um, oh, I don't know really. Just sit in a quiet room, <laughs> yeah. Just sit in a quiet room and watch it. No, I've got lots of things. I want to go back to the gym and do some walking, try and get myself fit. And uh, yeah, just have some time for me and the grandchildren, really. Would be nice. I mean, I'm going to miss everybody, but um, I feel it's time now to retire. And we've had a, we've had a long, long time here where we've all act you know we've all all been together and and sort of helped one another out as staff and we've become very good friends and we've all had our children come back to work and we've all got our own clients throughout all the clients that that have come in here we've all sort of grabbed our own if you like and and it's just been one big family isn't it really and we've had it's always been a lovely atmosphere in here and we've had great times and good laughs with the clients as well as amongst ourselves so that that's been that's been really nice. Well, I think we've always been here for one another, been there yeah. for one another through the good and the bad times because everyone has good and bad times, and I think we've been here for the clients for their yeah. good and bad times as well, trying to support them um, as a fa- big family, really. Yeah, yeah. Think, that's how I would would yeah, say it's been. Yeah, definitely, and I think that's why the clients are sad about us going, and I think they will miss it. I think they'll miss that more not more than having their hair done but I think as much as actually having their hair done the way they like it I think they'll miss the atmosphere and their camaraderie in here so laughs and yeah the stories and we always we put the world to rights every week what was going on we put everything to rights and our own opinions and yeah I'm going to miss it I'm going to miss the clients and that and I'm sure they are going to miss it because Mm. it has been um, and I can only say that I've, I just think I've been a very lucky person to have had the salon so long. Um, yeah. yeah, I have been very Not fortunate. Not many people have a business for 40 odd years, so. It's a big achievement. Yeah, so I'm grateful. Kent Online reports. This is quite an incredible story that was on the site over the weekend. A Dover family have discovered long-lost relatives in Australia, all thanks to a £30 DNA test kit. Jason Fisher's found he has an aunt and cousin living down under after getting the results. Well, they've now met online and are also planning to meet up in person. We've been speaking to Jason's new aunt, Julie Mamo. I'm like my sister. We said the other day it's still very surreal. And it's like my butterflies have got butterflies. I found out when I was 12 that I was adopted. Um, And my mum that adopted me, all she knew that my birth mum was too young to have me. And then my daughter that you were speaking to, Louise Lover, she bought the kit Christmas before last for me, the Heritage DNA kit. And then it was August last year, my birthday month. I think she'd had contact from Jason and the DNA match. She said, oh, we've got a DNA match. I think we're related. And it's just absolutely spiralled. And I've never had a sister, you know. It's, it's, it's wonderful. I've never been an auntie. Now I'm an auntie. It's really just, yes, and her and I, we talk, and it's like I'm talking to myself. And when my nephew talks, he says, I get quite emotional. He said, because you've got the same facial movements as mum. He said, and you look like her. He said, and I feel like I'm talking to mum on the phone. And that all gets a bit, yeah, 
More than 700 people are on a waiting list for a beach hut in just one part of Kent, but just 126 are available along the coast in Folkestone and Hythe. Rents are up to £1,300 a year. We've been chatting to someone who owns one. Head to the website to read their story. And Miley Cyrus has made it three weeks at number one on the Kent Top 40 with flowers. Red Flags by Canterbury's Mimi Webb is at number two. She was on Breakfast with Gary and Chelsea over on our sister radio station on Friday and is also nominated for a Brit Award this coming weekend. Sam Smith and Calvin Harris's new song, I'm Not Here to Make Friends, is a new entry at number three. Kent Online Sport. Football and it was another win for Gillingham at the weekend. They beat Crawley Town 1-0 in front of a sold-out Priestfield after fans were given the chance to pay what they could afford for tickets. Unfortunately for the Jills, other results didn't go their way, so they are still in the League 2 relegation zone. But they've now gone four games unbeaten as they look to avoid dropping out of the Football League. Manager Neil Harris spoke after the game. First half was quite even, wasn't it? I think I think uh, Crawley should score um, and have a couple of opportunities. We should certainly score a couple of opportunities we have as well. So quite surprised it was nil-nil at half-time. I, I got a bit of said to the boys at half-time. I, I didn't... Um, I didn't, I didn't uh, go into the lads' field. I, got a bit of, I, didn't, I didn't get into them because um, you know, they've been brilliant for me. Um, but I, I did just sort of cut the home troops on the first half. I felt like we played the first half like we played the second half at Swindon um, on, on Saturday. And I said, I don't want that here at Priestfield. Uh, I want us to be more front foot and more aggressive. Um, and, and second half, there's no surprise that we could have won the game 5 0 second half. And, and uh, we dominated the second half because we, we played more like how I want my teams to play, especially at home. Um, and yes, I thought we deserved the points. 9300 hundred, just over. Uh, really fantastic, fantastic atmosphere, particularly after Sean Williams scored the early goal. In, in the second half, certainly make a difference, don't they? When this place is full, yeah. Look, look, again, I was very clear in press conference. Um, you know, fair play and thank you to, to Brad and Shannon for for contributing to uh, enabling that to happen. Um, thank you to the fans that come, and I hope to see uh, a lot that come today for the next home game against Grimsby in a couple of weeks. It will be Valentine's night as well, but take your wife out for the evening, um, bring him to Priestfield would be nice. Um, yeah, but just because fans come and, and, and there's an offer to come and everyone's excited and we've got momentum and it's a new start and, and everyone's really happy with everybody now and there is that alignment within the football club, uh, the players have still got to make it happen on the pitch. You know, we've still got to make sure that we put in a performance that, that gets the fans off their seat. And we did for the first 15, 20 minutes and then we didn't for the rest of the half. Um, but second half, we certainly did. We certainly performed and, and, and got, got the fans engaged. And I thought the difference today was um, the last five minutes when it was only 1-0, um, there wasn't a nervousness in the stadium. Um, I felt confident in my team. I think the fans felt relatively confident and the players certainly did. Um, and that just comes with belief, points, results um, and good players. Just finally for me, a, a clean sheet as well. I think that's third in, in, in four games. I know defensively it wasn't really the issue you, you did today in, in the past, but it still must be nice not to goals yeah and, and, and what well, again I'll be really honest with you guys is, is first half we didn't perform well enough certainly from set plays um, which is certainly not a trait that I've seen over the last the last four matches including Leicester um, even for us for the season really so um, we, we addressed our half time we, we had to make an adjustment to our setup um, and and again because we played five yards higher up the pitch second half and um, fun enough we didn't give anything away so before I hand over to Matt, Molly Hawkins came off with a 
a knock of precaution or is it not quite sure? I don't I don't know to be honest. Um he was he got a, an elbow in the ribs. Um um, just he was about to attack the ball, Donald Telford was very clever, centre forward and centre forward, and just sort of lent into him, so uh, affected the ribs. So, uh, yes, of course, we hope he's all right this week. Next up for the Jills is a trip to Mansfield at the weekend, and Kent's Taylor Lawrence has helped Great Britain win their first four-man bobsleigh medal at the World Championships in 84 years. The 26-year-old from Westgate in Thanet is part of the team piloted by Brad Hall. They got joint silver in Samaritz. But that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning. That's via the briefing and to sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.